Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, we continue our study of 1 Corinthians with the beginning of chapter 14. The early church in Corinth had a preoccupation with speaking in tongues. It was a divisive issue in the church, which included introducing aberrant doctrine. So the Apostle Paul dealt with it head-on in this letter. The same issue arose in evangelical churches in America and then around the world, mainly since the mid-1960s. Please listen to Pastor Jim as he presents today's slice of this week's message entitled, Tongues and the Church. Uh, Dr. Robert Thomas, who entered glory a couple of years back, um, wrote this about 1 Corinthians 14, verses 1 through 5. He says, Can any good thing be said about tongues and self-edification? The tongue speaker apparently had a limited understanding of the general nature of his own utterance. Like he might have an idea that he was speaking about a certain passage or whatever. He says, back to Dr. Thomas, otherwise he himself could have received no edification. Yet to the extent that he insisted on using up the meeting time with his tongue's message, he was demonstrating his own selfishness and thereby violating at least one of the perfections of love that it does not seek its own. He goes on to say, it is Or is it possible then that the total effect of one whose goal is self-edification is nothing beneficial? Very probably it is, because tongues without love was completely unproductive. In other words, this does not advocate self-edification. It condemns self-edification. Verse 5, Paul says in a summary statement, Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues, but even more that you would prophesy. And greater is one who prophesies than one who speaks in tongues, unless he interprets, so that the church may receive edifying. Now, as I say, he's summarizing this. Paul is saying, I wish you all spoke in tongues. Now, that's been lifted out of context to say everybody ought to seek to speak in tongues. That's not what he's saying. He is saying his, his very wish is doomed to impossibility because he's already explained to them only some Christians speak in tongues. That's in chapter 12. So he's using hyperbole to make his point. He's saying, look, this is a spectacular gift, and I wish you could all experience it. But in every instance that the church is gathered together, the clear preference for the gift that, sh- that should be most prominently exercised in any meeting of the church is the gift of prophecy for proclaiming the Word of God. So tongues are inferior for edification. Point number two, tongues is inferior to clear speech. Now, in contrast to 
universal edification through prophecy, tongues can never edify everyone present unless translation or interpretation followed. Verse, uh, verse 6, he says, But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues, what will I profit you unless I speak to you either by way of revelation or of knowledge or of prophecy or of teaching? In other words, he's saying tongues is useless by itself. And now he's going to illustrate that. Verse 7, he says, Yet even lifeless things, either flute or harp, in producing a sound, if they do not produce a distinction in the tones, how will it be known what is played on the flute or on the harp? Now look, I understand that I can play every single instrument in any orchestra in the world. But the way I would play it would be obnoxious. I'm not a musician. I don't truly play any. I could pick up any instrument and make a noise, and you might even be able to tell what instrument it was that I picked up when I made that noise, but it wouldn't be music. It wouldn't be beautiful. It wouldn't be edifying. It wouldn't glorify God. Remember Paul's illustration about the noisy gong and the clanging cymbal? He's harking back to that here. Verse 8, For if the bugle produces an indistinct sound, who will prepare himself for battle? If you're in the military and you hear the bugle playing reveille, you know to get up. If you hear the bugle signaling charge, you know to charge. And if you hear a bugle the way I would play it, you'd say, what was that? I think a bird is sick somewhere near here. An instrument that's used only to make noise in an indistinct, non-musical way, well, that doesn't accomplish the purpose for which it is made. And that's what he's saying about the use of the gift of tongues in the church. So look at verses 9 through 11. So also you... Unless you utter by the tongue speech that is clear, how will it be known what is spoken? You need to speak in the language that the people who are listening understand. He said, for you will be speaking into the air. There are perhaps a great many kinds of languages in the world, and no kind is without meaning. If I then do not know the meaning of the language... I will be to the one who speaks a barbarian, and the one who speaks will be a barbarian to me. If you've ever been where your native language is not spoken or understood, this immediately brings up memories of when you felt like that other person was a barbarian, or, or they were treating you like you're a, a, a barbarian. There's even a theory that the word barbarian comes from just saying a random syllable like bar, 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 bar. You say, um, what is the direction to the embassy? And the other person hears bar, 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 bar. They don't know what you're saying. And have you noticed how easily you immediately make the assumption that someone is not as intelligent as you are if he or she can't understand your language? 
And if you've ever been in that situation, you also know intuitively, apparently, that the way to deal with that is to speak a little louder and a little slower, like that's going to make them learn your language. By the way, I just read a a cool little thing. I think it was one of those random Facebook things. Um, I really like it, though. It says, if someone speaks broken English, you should be impressed because that person apparently knows at least two languages. So understand, language is very important. And by the way, here's a little footnote for you. Those verses that I just read, 9, 10, and 11, where it says there are a great many kinds of languages and no kind is without meaning, that tells you that the word translated languages there, which is Glossa, tongues, connected with the word dialectos, dialects, those verses absolutely support the fact that the true gift of tongues is human languages unlearned by the one speaking. Now, verse 12, so also you, since you are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek to abound for the edification of the church. Don't be picking out what gifts you want to be in the limelight. Seek what is the most loving, which is going to be the most edification for the greatest number of people. So that verse is a summary. When it comes to ministry in the body of Christ, the thing you should be zealous for with respect to spiritual gifts is whatever edifies the other believers who are present. Point number three of three. Tongues are therefore inappropriate in the church. Tongues are inappropriate in the church. The purpose of tongues is as a sign. I keep saying, come back next Wednesday night, Lord willing. We'll look at verses 20 through 25 to see that explained. The gift of tongues was a signal from God of a very important development in His program for mankind. It was not a gift that was ever intended to be used in the church. Its companion gift, translation or interpretation, made it such that the gift of tongues could be edifying when it was used properly, but it was still inferior to the clear proclamation of God's Word in a language that is understood by all. So, verse 13, very obvious. Therefore, let one who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. Now, that tells you that even in the legitimate practice of the gift of tongues, not always could the one who spoke in the unknown language also understand what he or she said. The only possible acceptable use of this gift, whenever Christians were together, was if someone interpreted the foreign language. Now, I have spent countless hours teaching and preaching with interpreters, mainly in Russia. I've also done it in um, Ukraine, in Romania, in Moldova, in, um, in Brazil, in um, Irian Jaya, lots of different languages. And I can tell you for sure you can accomplish less than half as much as what you can get done with only one language involved. Because not only do you have to spend twice as much time saying it, 
it never is exactly the same. And it always requires clarification. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.